Good morning, everybody. I love that little video. It's, uh, it's the uh, kind of an introduction each week to the sermon series that we are going through over September and October uh, called Rooted, where we, we look at how we can develop deep roots into Christ Jesus himself. And the idea comes from Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, when it says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith, as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Being rooted and built up in Christ is an essential thing for us as Christ followers as we, we develop a faith that will not be shaken uh, based on what happens around us, based on the external things and circumstances that we find ourselves in uh, in this world. Last week, we examined Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 through 8, and we saw that uh, we need to develop roots of trust into the Lord. It says this in Jeremiah 17, <coughs> 7 through 8, excuse me. It says, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out roots, roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Again, one of the blessings of deep roots into Christ Jesus is that uh, when things come against us, we know that we do not need to fear, that we do not need to worry, and that we will bear fruit in the name of Jesus. And, and those are great things for, again, all of us as Christ followers. Today, though, we're going to look at Psalm chapter 1, uh, 1 through 3. A great passage of Scripture, uh, the very beginning of the book of Psalm uh, number 1. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk, uh, in step with the wicked, or stand in the way of the sinners, uh, or, uh, excuse me, or, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditate on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Uh, whatever they do will prosper. And blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. So today we're going to look at the kind of two ideas here, two blessings or that, that uh, come when we delight in the law of the Lord and when we meditate upon that uh, law, that word of God, day and night. It's a twofold commitment that helps us to develop deep roots into the Lord, into Jesus Christ. So first let's look at this idea of delighting in the Lord, delighting in the law of the Lord. That word delight is a, the Hebrew word hepsah, hepsah, and at, that, at its root of hepsah is a word hep, hep, and that hep uh, is this, the idea of joy, of, of having joy in something. It's the idea of, of, of gaining pleasure as a result of that, uh, that action and, and desire. So let's break those down just a little bit and look at how uh, joy and pleasure are, are uh, um, what we need to have in the, the law of the Lord, in God's word. Uh, in the New Testament, we have this concept of hepsaw or delight, found in three different words. There's three words that, that uh, kind of have this similar meaning. The first is hedonai. And you probably recognize that word if you've ever heard of that philosophy, uh, worldly philosophy, hedonism, which is the seeking of pleasure. Uh, or mainly, though, that pleasure is self-serving pleasure. Right? It's, it's physical sensation. It's, it's 
all about me and what I get to experience. There's no really outward concern about anybody else. It is very selfishly motivated, that idea of, of self-serving pleasure. Uh, another word within the New Testament that, again, kind of has this idea of delight or joy is eudokia. Eudokia, and that means uh, well-pleasing or delighting in good. And we find it throughout the New Testament or in several places within the New Testament specifically from God's perspective. In Luke chapter 10, verse 21, after Jesus had sent out the 72 disciples, he had these followers, and he sent them out to, to, to teach about God's love and about uh, his word. And as they returned and as they had experienced success, it says basically that God delighted. He delighted in what had happened, his good will, his, his good pleasure. The last, uh, the, uh, the third of the New Testament words that kind of refer back to this idea of delight is kara, or kara, or uh, joy. That's the, the Greek word for joy. And, and uh, we find this in verses like 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, which says, uh, rejoice always. Verse 17, pray continually. 18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We have joy at all times. We're commanded to to experience this delight in God at all times. In, in James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, it takes it a step further. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let per perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And that's a, that's, that's a pretty extreme form of joy, that you would experience joy even in the middle of, of persecution in the middle of your struggles it's it's then that you know that what you are going through is building your roots is growing your roots deep right in in a way that strengthens your face faith because as your faith is strengthened it said it leads to perseverance the ability to handle and cope with more and as that perseverance grows it says that we become mature right like that tree planted beside the water referenced in in uh, Psalm 1, Jeremiah 17, a tree that is strong and can handle anything that comes along. So that first idea of delight really is joy. It's taking joy in God's word. Have you, have you ever th considered that? Do you, do, you con do you look at God's word with joy? Right? Do you take pleasure in reading God's word? Or is it a task? Is it a, uh, just something to check off your list because that's what good Christians do? You know you should do it, therefore you do it. Right? That's, not, that's not the worst reason in the world to read God's word, but it's definitely not the best, right? It's definitely not the, the way we should approach it. We should approach it with, with joy. And we had an uh, experience this week with my, uh, with my football team. Freshman, I coach freshman football at Lebanon, and they have had some difficulty being good young men. And not on the football field, even though we haven't won a game yet. Uh, they uh, are struggling with being good young men in the classroom. And so things have been, have been coming back to us. And so this Friday, instead of having our normal film session after our game, we went out on the football field and we, we ran. And we ran. And we ran and we ran and we ran. And we ran some more, just for good measure. And we did push-ups and we did uh, wall sits and we made them hold their helmets out straight. You know that helmet weighs about 2 pounds, right? For about 30 seconds. And then it weighs about 10 pounds. About 30 seconds later, it's about 20 pounds, right? It gets heavier and heavier. Well, we did that, and we talked to them about how we need to consider work 
and the things that we do that don't always feel good to our body, like running, as ways to develop who we are into better people. Whether that be better athletes or better young men, we do these things sometimes that we go through these difficulties that we become better people. And it's the same concept here. Joy helps us become a better person in Jesus Christ through the difficulties of life. It's saying, though I am encountering this trial, I'm going to see it as an opportunity to get better. Though I have to run 240 yards in 55 seconds, I'm going to consider this an opportunity to become a better person athletically. Right? Do you see the connection there? Joy in our struggles helps us to become more like Jesus. You know, the other definition of delight, we mentioned earlier that it's joy or pleasure and then desire. I want to focus in on this idea of desire for just a moment. Desire is basically this. It's a strong feeling of wanting to have something or wishing for something to happen. It's a yearning or it's a longing inside of us, a craving, an aspiration that we want to uh, attain. Do you long for God's word? How much do you yearn for it? If you don't have it, do you crave it? How far would you go to make sure you had God's word in your life? How valuable is the Bible to you? To what end would you go to make sure you had access to it? You know, I ask you this because uh, this week I was able to watch a video. It was shared with me uh, by Todd Moore. And Todd Moore and Jessica, his wife, are our are, are missionaries here at Southside to Laos. And they live and, and work among the people over there. And there is a, there's a video that he uh, shared with us about a gentleman from Laos that yearned for God's word in such a way, he desired God's word in such a way that he would risk his own life to, to have it himself and to share it with other people. And we're going to take a moment. It's about a five-minute video, but we're going to watch it because I think that this picture of a desire and a delight in God's word is something that we've kind of lost in a society where it's easy to access. But think about it from the perspective of a nation, living in a nation where that freedom is not guaranteed. How much more you would appreciate these words of God. Go ahead and watch this video.
I don't know why they didn't shoot me. The interrogations are the only time I am out of solitary. I am losing hope and fear I have been forgotten. I recite Bible verses to myself, but the words are getting harder and harder to remember. I can handle the torture, the starvation, but I desperately need my Bible. Every day I pray over and over for God to give me a Bible. Now I have my chance. The interrogations have ended and the guards trust me to go into the jungle to gather firewood. Working as fast as I can, I will collect two days worth of firewood. I'll bring one bundle back and leave the second bundle in the woods. This is what I need to do. It is very risky, but God is answering my prayer. I will risk everything to have a Bible. I don't want to leave my wife. But I have to, or she will be in danger. Leaving her is so hard. God has answered my prayer. I have a Bible. But I must be careful. They found my Bible, but I would not give up. I will bring in more Bibles. I will read God's word every chance I get. Then the letters came. Letters from me. Letters from Christians all over the world. God not only answered my prayer for a Bible. He let me know I am not forgotten. แล้วก็ขอบคุณพระเจ้าขอบคุณอนาพี่น้องทั่วโลกที่อธิษฐานอ่อนวอนเพื่อโอ้แล้วก็มู่คู่ที่น้องอยากจะคุกแล้วก็
I, I wonder who those persecuted really are. Those with access to the Bible on a daily basis that don't use it, or those who have no access and yearn for it. What is your desire for God's word? That man was willing to extend his prison stay for years and years and years for a taste of God's word. And we have it in excess. And yet, how much do we desire it? How much do we delight within it? Not only are we to delight in God's word, it says that we are to meditate upon it day and night. The psalmist in in Psalm 1 is making a reference to a passage of scripture found in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, which was an instruction that that God himself was giving to to Joshua as he assumed command or leadership of the Israelite nation, the people, after Moses' death. (coughs) It says this in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. It says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. He was repeating this instruction that served Joshua well. To be committed to God's word, to be committed to his laws, to his, to his ways. And as a result, he, Joshua was a great leader because he kept that, that commitment and he passed that commitment on to those who would follow him. You know, this idea of meditating on God's word, this idea of meditation really has some negative connotations associated with it these days. This concept has, has kind of been taken hostage by Eastern mysticism. However, it's a practice that is based firmly within God's word. Within the New Testament, we find encouragements to do the same. In Philippians chapter 4, it uses a little different word, but it's implying the same thing. It says, in Philippians 4, 8, it says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Meditate on these things. Take them inside of you and wrap your brain around these words that God has given us. And that's really what it is, this idea of dwelling upon God's word. It's taking it inside of us. It's putting it inside of our mind. It's placing it deep within our heart and contemplating upon it and reasoning through what it has to say. I read a quote this week I wanted to share with you. It said, it said this about meditation in, in Philippians 4.8. It says that it means to take what you have read and think about it, rolling it around in your mind, to ponder what God's message is to you, to have a deep love and affection. Again, that desire that we mentioned just a moment ago, a deep love and affection for God's words. This devotion is manifested by constant attention to his word. You know, I, I, I have a job where studying God's word is part of what I do. I went to a college where I was taught, two different colleges, where I was taught God's word on a daily basis. But it's very easy, even in that context, for God's word to become a textbook, to become an instruction manual that you just kind of get, get grabbed from as you need it. But this idea is something more than an instruction manual, something more than a textbook. It's saying this is something that I need to live my life. 
This is something that is required as much to me as a Christian as in our physical life is food and water and oxygen. You know, let's, let's, let's take back what is the Lord's today. Let's devote ourselves to meditating upon God's word. You know, I know it will be life-changing if you make that commitment. You know, I've been going through a devotional recently myself on Psalm chapter 1. Uh, it was written by some prisoners of Angola State Prison. Maybe you remember, uh, it was about a little over a year ago, a friend of mine from California came, and Mike Broyles, and shared with us um, about Angola State Prison and prison ministry in general. And one of the resources that he shared with me that day was this devotional, again, on Psalm 1, and it's written by prisoners. As they've studied through this passage that we started off with this morning, and I want to read to you just a little bit that one of the prisoners wrote in regards to this concept of meditating on God's Word. It says, I have learned very quickly that when you meditate on the Word of God, delightfulness automatically comes along with it. It's like the world stops and all the burdens are lifted and everything is calm. I started meditating on the Word of God so much until I would dream about reading the Bible in my dreams. And the joy and peace I have when I meditate on the Word of God is indescribable. It's like nothing I have ever encountered before. I am physically in prison, but I'm not in prison. I am in God. My prayer is that every believer will learn the benefit of meditating on the Word of God. Truly, the Word is my newfound delight. Again, I wonder sometimes how much our freedoms work against the very things that would benefit us the most in this life. Holding on to God's word with delight and joy in our heart and spending time, an overwhelming amount of time, putting it inside of us. You know, as we delight ourselves in God's word, as we're devoted to it to the point where we desire for it to be inside of us and we meditate on it day and night, we allow it to permeate our whole being. There are blessings that are promised. Right? We read those a little bit earlier. The, the three blessings that come with it, according to Psalm chapter 1, are very similar to that Jeremiah 17 passage. It says that, first, we will bear fruit. Right? We will be productive in sharing this word with other people and it growing in their lives. It says that we will not wither. Right? When, when the drought comes, our roots will be down deep into the, the moisture that God provides. And so whatever happens, whether it be storm, drought, whether it be tornadoes or, or whatnot, we will hold strong, right? Like that tree. And we will prosper. Those are the three blessings associated with, with these things of desiring and meditating on God's word. You know, I don't know about you this morning and where you are at in relation to God's word and, your, and the importance of it in your life. But I'll tell you this. I want it to bear fruit in my life. There are not many things better in this life than knowing that you've had an impact on, the, on someone's eternity. To see a person that you've cared for, that you've taught, that you've mentored and discipled and prayed for, take their first steps of faith. To know that they have been brought into the love of God forever, that's a special, special thing. You know, I don't know about you this morning, but I want to stand strong against the trials of this life. I, I want to, to know that when the drought comes, that I will not wither, that I won't crumble and, and fade. 
I want roots that are so down deep into the soil of God's word that they nurture my heart and soul even in the most difficult of circumstances. Now, I don't know about you this morning and where you're at, but the idea of prospering in the Lord sounds pretty good to me. Whatever that means, I'll take any blessing that the, that the Lord wants to send my way. I want to be part of a success in the name of Jesus Christ. I want to be part of success in the name of Jesus here at Southside. I want to be a part of something that makes a difference in this world, in this town. Lord, prosper this church, for it is your church. This morning, this is really the important thing that I want us to remember. You know, we've spent time looking at, at encouragement from Scripture on delighting in God's Word. We've spent time looking at how we need to meditate on God's word. And this, this, this encouragement is vital for our growth in Jesus. It's vital for our, our spiritual development in Christ. But the real important thing for us this morning to know is this. As we delight in God's word, so does Christ delight in you. He has devoted himself to you. As we are to meditate on God's word and to think about it, he thinks about you. And he saw you as so valuable that he would ransom you from sin at the cost of his own life, with his own blood. And with that blood, he has washed us clean. So our delight and our, our meditation, it, it isn't simply to earn some blessing, that, that fruit and not withering and prospering. Those are good things, and we want those things in our life. But that is not why we delight and we meditate not just to earn some blessing. No, we do those things because it's a direct response to what Jesus has done for us. It's a response to the love and the grace and the mercy that he has continually poured out upon us. Behold what manner of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. We are his children. And as his children, Let's be committed to delighting in the relationship that we have with him and the words that he has given to us. He cared enough to preserve them for thousands of years so that we would have them. Let's take joy in that. Let's desire that. Let's put value upon that. And not just so that it sits on a bookshelf or beside our bed on our nightstand, but so that it resides within our hearts, within our minds, so much so that we dream about it at night. Let's pray. Father, we sit here today, we stand here today in awe of who you are, in awe of the way that you work in this world, in awe of the fact that you preserved your word in, in your scriptures, the Bible, so that here we are thousands of years after they were written. And yet we can still see, uh, see clearly the message that you had for all mankind. We can see the message that you gave to Joshua so many years ago. And we can learn from it and grow from it and accept it and embrace it ourselves. And those promises still hold true today. And so for that, Father, we're thankful. I pray, Father, that as we go from here, that though we will not experience most likely being thrown in prison because of sharing your word, that we in some way can grow in our, in our value of it like that man in that video we just watched. May we desire your word so much that we would risk uh, our lives for it. 
as you risked your lives for us. So, Father, we pray for greater desire of who you are, of knowing who you are, and being in a closer relationship with you this week. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.